Welcome to Moment of Truth. We are Bethel Campus Fellowship, and our mission is leading students to Christ and preparing them to become reliable men and women that God can entrust with his word for the next generation. My name is Sarah Oke, and I will be your host. So we are back with part two of the conversation surrounding mature. And I just want to remind you before we start that you can register for the BCF National Conference that's coming up February 18th through the 20th. Go to BethelCampusFellowship.com to register. And if it's your first time, you could get a scholarship towards your registration. So take advantage now. This conference is for you. All right. So today we're continuing the conversation from the last episode talking about mature and what it means and what it looks like to be a mature Christian. In today's episode, we're specifically talking about the anatomy of a mature believer. And the scripture we're looking at for this is Galatians chapter four, verse 19. And it says, oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again, and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. Another version says, until Christ is formed inside of you. So we're going to be talking about the anatomy of a believer and really expounding on what it looks like to be a mature Christians, a Christian. So we have our same guests from the last episode, but I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourselves again, just in case anyone doesn't know who you are. So we'll start here and go this way. Hey, everyone. Um, Toby, again, graduated from University of Maryland College Park and University of Maryland, Baltimore, and I serve in LST. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. It's Abby Solaki Kual. I went to University of Maryland College Park, go Terps, and mm -hmm. Georgia State University, go Panthers. And <laughs> I am currently the Maryland Co-State Rep. Awesome. And our co-host? Yep. I'm happy to be here. It's uh, Uncle George professor at Bowie State University and the national director for Beto Campus Fellowship. Wonderful. Welcome back again. And thank you guys so much for listening to episode one. We hope that you also enjoy this conversation. So I'm just going to go ahead and pray and before we get started. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you so much, Lord. I pray for everybody who is listening right now. I just pray that you would open up their hearts to what you have to say. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak. We are simply your vessels, um, but I pray, God, that you would bring the power. You would bring the power that is able to change our hearts and make us more like you. We just thank you, Lord. We invite you into this conversation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So last episode, we talked a lot about maturity and we were specifically talking about putting away childish things. And so just to kind of recap, I want to ask you guys, just give me a very simple definition of what does it mean to be mature? What does how would you define maturity when it comes to Christianity? <laughs> That's a good question. I would say maturity. Uh, I mean, we know the word. It's not a Christian or biblical term per se, but maturity means to be fully developed. And when you look at Hebrews chapter um, five, verse 14, it talks about what it means to be fully spiritually mature. It says that solid food is for those who are mature, who by reason of using their senses have been able to distinguish between good and evil. So maturity means to be fully developed. Um, yeah. Mm. Fully developed. Yeah. I'm just going to co-sign on that <laughs> <laughs> um, because that's also um, the scripture that I thought of as well. Um, but specifically, I want to highlight in um, the King James Version, it says having their senses exercised. So 
Um, and then even ESV talks about constant practice. So it's not so a mature person to me is someone who constantly practices the distinguishing of good and evil. Mm. So it's not like a one time. Yeah. Constant practice. Yeah. I like that. Amen. Yeah. Um, maturity for me really has a lot to do with knowing God. Knowing God and mm. understanding the character of God. Mm. And being consistent in our followership of him. Mm. Mm. Yeah, just consistency. Um, yes. Not falling out and falling in, but mm. knowing, being a must in God and engaged in God, engaged with God, whichever mm. way, way you want to say it. Mm. But knowing that some things are no longer optional. Yes. Yeah, you are, you, are, you, you are a child of God, and that's whom I am. It doesn't matter where I am. It doesn't matter location, where people are around. I am just a Christian. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and just to your point, you said something that's so uh, interesting about, like, knowing God. Because I think nowadays, even for a lot of us who are students or were students, when we think about knowledge or knowing, we think about information. Mm. Um, but the knowing that you're talking about relates with what Abby just said, which is the practicing of, like you said, those non-negotiable things and like immersing yourself. And, you know, I remember meeting so many people on campus who they knew about Christ, they knew about him, but they didn't really mm. know Christ because mm. they weren't really intimate with the relation, with the information, right. Uh, that of Christ and practicing and living by it, you know, uh, first John two says that if any person says they know God, mm -hmm. but they don't practice his commands and they're lying mm -hmm. yeah. so yeah. that, you know, that knowledge, we say knowing God is profound in how you said it. Cause it res it resonates more than just having information. Yeah. 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 And if you look at scriptures, you know, there are different kinds of knowing. Yes. Yes. The Bible says Adam knew Eve. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's intimacy, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I can say I know Obama. Right. I never ate lunch with him. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't really know him. Mm -hmm. Know him from the news, but I know Asomta. Asomta Oye Ude. That's my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I'm using the same word, no. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. different levels. Different levels of knowing. Right. So um, when we talk of maturity, we're really talking about really, really, really knowing. Mm. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, and it, it, it has longevity to it. I mean, time for to it because uh, it sometimes it can take you. 40 years to know somebody mm. Mm -hmm. and it can take another person 24 hours to mm. know to know that person mm. yeah so you see why sp so many people have been in the faith are very mature because mm. mm. they have not taken time to really to really know christ mm -hmm. knows know somebody yeah mm. know jesus and when you think about it too like when you get to know somebody very intimately beyond just like knowledge or information, you actually begin to even reflect some of their characteristics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You begin to talk like them. Like them yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. Actually, a couple of years ago, I went to I was sharing the word at a conference and it had nothing to do with BCF. And a uh, girl came up to me and she was like, are you a part of BCF? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm in BCF. And she was like, I was like, how did you know that? And she was like, I could tell by the way that you're preaching. Mm. And it's funny because when you spend time with around certain people, you begin to reflect certain yeah. aspects yeah. of them. And it's the same mm. way with God, right? If we truly know God then that yeah. knowing, which you said it speaks to maturity, that knowing means that we should also be reflecting certain characteristics of God okay. and things like that. Sure. Yeah. And that's even the scripture too. Um, forgot exactly where it is, but I'm sure it's in John. Um, I'll try to find it, but simply it says they will know us by 
our love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, and John thirteen, yeah, And then there's also First John four seven and eight, which basically tells us that if you do not know God, you do not know love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And so you know you can go to those scriptures yeah. to you know flesh that out, but it's basically what you're saying because like, God is love. Yes. 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 So when you know Him, you begin to understand love. Mm-hmm. Very sacrificial love. I'm not talking about the emotional type. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm. yeah. That's powerful. That's powerful. Wow. That means that if you know God, you won't necessarily have to go around proclaim that you know God, but it will show because mm. you begin to become like him. Yeah. Like mm. when the Bible says that when we when I will become like him when I see him because I will see him as he is. Yeah. Sure. Um with maturity, I also think of well, I would define it as someone who lacks nothing. Is James chapter one verse four where it says, you know, let perseverance have its finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Mm-hmm. I think a mature Christian is fully secure in Christ, emotionally, physically, everything they could ever psychologically. need. Psychologically, psychologically too. Yes, secure, yeah, mentally, they are just there's nothing that they lack. It doesn't mean that they have everything that they may be praying or asking God for, but as terms in terms of just what sustains them as a person as a christian they lack nothing Mm. and i think a mature christian yeah yeah and i just think about like when you think about maturity from a physiological standpoint um i i often think about maturity in this sense like without improvement like having no room for improvement in a sense and it's like when you think about a mature man physically right there's no longer any physical characteristics that are still developing in that person Mm. from a physical standpoint right it's Mm -hmm. like you know when you go from being 10 years old to maybe being 18 or 20 whatever the case may be there's a point in which like you've obtained yeah puberty you have your Adam's apple there's nothing that's developing from a physical standpoint that's like a new feature or a new level of this feature, like you've developed your full mm. uh, aspect in that physical, uh, you know, realm you of who you formed. are, you know what I mean? So um, you can think about it in that way. It's like, Hey, like you've come to that pinnacle, that prime uh, place as far as developing that aspect of yourself. Mm. And that point is just sustaining it to keep exactly. being healthy. Except That's- that, except that somebody can say, well, um, we keep growing, right? In, yes. In mm-hmm. Christ. You exactly. Know, because we never really attain. Physically speaking, we attain a height and then we start declining. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, but yep. in Christ, we don't decline. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So as though the inward man is, the outward man is perishing. perishing. The, the inner man, man, yeah, continues. Yeah. Continues Second Corinthians 4. Yeah. Yes. Until, like you said, we meet with him face to face and, and we become mm-hmm. exactly like he is. Yes. First Ooh, John hallelujah. 3. Yep. Amen. Amen. So let's, let's dive into this. We're talking about the anatomy of a mature believer. And I think it's good that we, as we're doing right now, just expound on this and break it down some more. So let's just start with one thing. Let's let's just focus on one thing. What is one thing that is a hallmark of a mature believer? So like a non-negotiable, like a mature believer is yeah. this? Okay. Yeah, so you say a mature believer is this or should be this. Yeah, I will go first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will start with doctrines, the knowledge of doctrines. I would say that a mature believer should be sound in knowledge, in doctrine and knowledge of basic truths of our faith. Yes. You know, um, there is something about doctrines that pervade our Christian, you know, our Christian life. So, so you know, understanding basic tenets of our faith. Mm. You know, you can tell when a, a Christian who has been there, a Christian for a long time, 
didn't land in, didn't you know get established in these doctrines because mm. something yeah. is always missing. Yeah, then mm. their conversation, in their character, mm. in their relationship with God, there is always a struggle because they didn't take time to understand basic, basic things. And uh, you know, I will read the scripture here. It's Ephesians chapter four, verse fourteen through um, fifteen. It says, "Then we will no longer be infants." tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, mm. that is Christ. This is mm. Ephesians 4 from 14 to 15. So when we don't master these basic doctrines, we are mm. thrown around by every wind of doctrine. Mm. Yeah. Any small trial, we throw you off. Mm. You know, you just backslide. Mm. Any temptation, we get you, you know. So um, let's look at, take time and just look at these basic doctrines. Yeah. You know, um, one of them is simple, very simple. <laughs> as simple as the Bible. Mm. Mm. What's the origin of the Bible? Who wrote the Bible? Yeah. Mm. That can throw a bishop off, mm. you know, who doesn't know the answer to that question. Um, but we are very um, aware that the Bible says very clearly, and I will read it from um, Second Timothy um, chapter 3, verse 16. It said, all scriptures is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, yes. for reproof, for correction, for instruction in Righteousness. So just looking at the Bible, do you believe that the Bible was written by God himself using men that he himself elected? Mm. You know, or do you think that the Bible is from someone's brain cells? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think someone people can write the Bible honestly. Mm. It's full of revelations, it's yeah. full of the, the spirit. That's why the Bible talked about things that are still happening today. Yeah. You know, precisely, very precisely. The words of prophecy, the coming of Christ was prophesied. Mm -hmm. You know, mm. the Pentecost was prophesied. Everything that we are seeing has been prophesied in yeah. scripture. There's no way mm. ordinary brain cells could put that together. And the Bible was very clear. All scriptures is given by what? Inspiration of God. of God. If you want to become mature, you must believe this without doubt otherwise you'll be reading the bible as literature mm. okay um that's number one number two is god who is god you know we hear a lot about god he is omniscient he's omnipresent mm. he's omnipotent and all of that your knowledge of god understanding of whom god is will determine whether you're going to follow him mm. like yeah. you follow men mm. now, many of us follow men and then Mm. You know, the pro the issue with that is a man is a man. He's yeah. limited in space. He can't yep. be everywhere, right? Yep. He would die um, one day. Because we, some of us follow our pastors, follow our bishops, and when they are not around, we know how to hide and do stuff. <laughs> and if you see God as man, you would think that God is not seeing you when you are doing certain stuff. Mm. But God is spirit. Yes. God is spirit. The Bible says he is the father of all spirits. Mm. He created all spirits, angels, demons, and all of them, and all humans. Everything created was created by him, and he had no beginning, and he has no end. These things are very important. If you don't believe them, 
you cannot really mature mm-hmm. in your faith. So I will st- I will stop and you know I'll let you guys talk <laughs> yeah. about the um, other basic truths. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's really good. Yeah, just to jump in. Just to jump in, um, you mentioned God, and I think we should continue with the the rest of the Trinity, right? And so there's Christ, um, who's a second member of the Trinity. More than that, the biblical truth for us to hone in on is that Jesus was not just a man. Yeah. Um, Jesus is God. Yes. Mm -hmm. He's not just a prophet Mm -hmm. that just knew everything. He wasn't just a teacher, just a rabbi. He Mm -hmm. himself was and is God when he was here on earth. Amen. He was God in the two scriptures, Isaiah chapter nine, verse six tells us that really interesting concept. The fact that he was fully man and fully God, because it mm-hmm. says unto us, a child is born. So that speaks to his physical body. He did come out of Mary <laughs> and then unto us, a child, or sorry, a son, son is given. Is given. Yes. And so that means that literally, cause he was and is the gift to mankind, right? Being able to be reconciled back onto God through him. And so he's a gift. So that's why it describes um, him being given to us as a son, the son of yeah. God. There's also John chapter one. I'm going to quickly read it because again, um, it's just a simple truth that without it, I don't know how we could move forward. Um, John chapter 14, sorry, chapter one, verse 14. And it says really simply here. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the father, the father's one and only son. So mm. That is obviously mm. very clearly talking about Jesus Christ. Yes. And so um, that's, again, is that biblical truth that we just can't, we have yeah. to hone in on. Mm. Um, and then the second, of course, um, that I have to share, at least is the Holy Spirit, because yes. let's, let's complete the Trinity. Yes. Right. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, especially for those, you know, young folks, maybe you're in, you know, maybe an African church or whatever the case is, or other churches where, you know, the Holy Spirit is described as a force. He's described mm-hmm. as this ball of fire. <laughs> He's described as the thing that makes people fall down type of thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, but the Holy Spirit is a person too. He yes. is the third um, person of the Trinity and he's not, he's not an it. That's the most important thing I would say when it comes to the Holy Spirit. He's not an object. He's a person with a personality. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I've heard, at least I, it was even not guilty, but that was something that I had to learn about myself and, and growing and maturing in, in Christ that the Holy Spirit is not an it. Mm. Um, so it went there. It did. No, because <laughs> even Jesus himself described the Holy Spirit as a person. Yes. In John chapter 14 and John chapter 16, the Holy Spirit is described to us very clearly as a person and more specifically he, right? You don't, Jesus didn't say it went here, right? And so John chapter 14 really briefly verse 17 and then verse 26 so verse 17 says he is the holy spirit who leads into all truth the world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you and he was speaking to the disciples and of course that that later was you know of course pentecost So, and for those who receive Jesus Christ into their lives will also receive the Holy Spirit and he will live inside of you. So he's not an it. He's actually God, a being who lives inside of you. Um, And so the last scripture really quickly is John chapter, oh, verse 26, real quick, um, because this is also good. Um, It describes the Holy Spirit as an advocate. It says, but the father sends the advocate as my representative. That is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. So that speaks to even um, not only the character of the Holy Spirit, but even his role in our lives. 
And lastly, because um, again, scripture is really good for, for training us up, right? So John 16, um, I'm just going to read 13 to 15. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the, to the father is mine. This is why I said the spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So um, I think those are just some good scriptures regarding the Holy Spirit and just understanding um, that. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I, I want to quickly just uh, add this summary that the Holy Spirit's walk brings us to Christ and salvation. You know, you yes. say when he comes, he mm-hmm. will convict us of sin. Yeah, you know, it's impossible to come to Christ without the Holy Spirit convicting you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, The yeah. work of the Holy Spirit is the essence of any salvation. Mm-hmm. You know, um, mm-hmm. It equips us for ministry because we shall receive uh, power after we yeah, have the Holy, the Holy we have the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you know, so there's no power. It's powerless Christianity. Mm, and we're talking yeah. about maturity. If you really want to be a matured Christian, you mm. cannot, you can't li- do it without the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Mm. You know, um, it talks about uh, service, empowers us for service, and it produces spiritual fruit in our lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think um, this really makes a lot of sense, you know, that, you know, a mature believer being somebody who is sound in knowledge and doctrine, understanding these basic things, like, because all the scriptures that we're reading, like the first thing Uncle George mentioned in terms of doctrines that a believer should believe is, what do you believe about the Bible, right? Like, mm-hmm. if I don't have a solid understanding and some of these scriptures I'll look at and I'll throw one out, I'll, you know, things of that nature. So I think that's really, uh, this is really, really important. And as a believer, being able to know um, these basic truths are important and imperative to maturity. Another one that I think that's extremely important is just our view of uh, an understanding of humanity and people, right? Mm-hmm. That, you know, God made us in his image in Genesis one twenty six. He said, let us make man in our own image and in our likeness, but also understanding the fact that humanity has fallen. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that we're born and shaped in iniquity. You know, we're born... Um, into sin in as sinners from our mother's womb. And, you know, that's an important thing for us to understand. If we don't understand that basic foundation, then we'll come out thinking like, okay, I'm already okay. I remember being on campus evangelizing, (laughs) witnessing to people. And they're like, Oh, like I'm a good person, all of these different things. But understanding these basic foundations now gives a place of relevance for Christ dying for our sins. Cause if you think you're already okay, then you're like, well, who is Christ to me? Like, I don't need a savior. Yeah. You know, um, so I think that's another basic foundation that any mature Christian has to understand that humanity was made in God's image, but because of sin, we have fallen short. And I don't think anybody can disagree that, I mean, maybe some people, some religions would disagree that they don't have sin or they're not sinful anymore or whatever, but mm-hmm. we all know that we're not perfect and we've committed sin and nobody really disagrees with that. So uh, another last thing I think uh, that comes to mind that a mature believer should know in terms of foundation that's critical for maturity is just salvation, right? Like salvation is the pinnacle Mm -hmm. experience for a Christian, like for a person, for an individual in your life in general, like salvation is a single handed number one, most important experience that you can ever have in life, being saved, being born again. And then of course being filled with the Holy spirit. Um, but being transformed in your heart, this is why Jesus said we must be born again because we were born into sin, mm-hmm. you know, Psalm 51, verse 5 and 6. And so yeah. um, salvation is critical to in understanding that that basic doctrine, that salvation is critical, the transformation of your heart 
second Peter one talks about us escaping the corruption that is in the world through lust because we have repented from our sins. We escape that uh, corruption. We transform our nature. A new divine nature is given to us that we can walk not in the past sinful nature, but now in the divine nature of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I also with that, also knowing that we didn't save ourselves, mm. yes. that our salvation was a free gift. You know, Ephesians 2, Verse 8 and eight, 9. Yeah. yeah, it was by grace through faith that we have been saved. And we cannot boast about this because it wasn't because of our works. But God literally gave us the gift of salvation when the Holy Spirit appeared to us and convicted us to receive him. Um, I would also like to add to that um, just two things. One, I would also say a foundation that a mature believer should understand and be a part of is the church. So we know that we are part of the body of Christ, the, the church, but also the physical church um, just being planted and just knowing that the, the, the purpose that the church has, which is to equip us and to encourage us to now go out and to do the same thing. Um, the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 25, that we shouldn't forsake the gathering of believers, especially as the end is drawing near. Um, so the, the church is essential, especially in these times, to equip us to have a place where we can gather as Christians and be empowered and, and, and uh, sharpen one another, as the Bible would say. And then also, I think the end times as well, you know, eschatology. Um, I know before getting saved, thinking about the end times was scary. It was like, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen? Sure Jesus Christ was. is going to come. I'm going <laughs> to, you know, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss Christ. But for a mature Christian, I think a mature Christian should understand that the end times it's something that should bring us joy. Mm-hmm. It's our blessed hope. You know, the Bible says in Revelation twenty two seventeen says the spirit and the bride say, come and let the one who hears say, come, let the one who is thirsty, come and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. So as the Lord is saying that he's coming, our response is come Lord Jesus, because we are excited and expected for his return. Mm-hmm. We're not thinking of the end times as doom, but as when we get to finally be with the Lord. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's important because Hebrews six mentions that it's one of the basic principles of the faith, right? It says, therefore leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection or onto maturity, yeah. not laying again, the foundation of repentance from dead works, faith toward God, doctrines of baptisms, of laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for a mature believer, we have to understand the eschatology or what's called the end times. Like what is the culmination of what God is doing here on the earth? Yes. And that there is eternal judgment that will stand before God one day and everyone will give an account. Yeah. Every believer, if you're going to be a mature believer, you have to know that because that you know, teaches you how you should live your life. Mm-hmm. And now, if you just think that life is inconsequential, that, you know, hey, like I can just keep living a sinful life, knowing that God is going to forgive me, not realizing that I'll have to give an account of my motives, yeah. right? Of taking trying. advantage of the scripture, or taking the grace of God in vain, right? Eternal judgment is a basic principle in Hebrews 6 that, that God is telling us like, hey, you got to understand this and be you know, convinced about it and, you know, live your life in light of it as well. So I think that's really important. I think it also helps us not to be afraid when we see current events because the Bible has mm-hmm. prophesied these things that will happen. The wars and rumors of wars and different things like that. It helps us, it helps us to be secure. Mm. You know, <clears throat> I'm going to go cycle back to what mm. you were saying about people. Mm. Um, <clears throat> you know, understanding the difference between man and other living things uh, mm. is something that every believer must have mm. you know my colleagues as you know as a biology professor you know with a phd in genetics i meet some of my colleagues that just think that 
every man is like a red animal. Mm-hmm. You know, we have blood and they have blood and <laughs> they die and we die. Mm. You know, and and that confuses them. Mm. You know, so where where does the souls of animals go to? You know, know. if man if man's soul goes back to God and all of that. But there are certain critical differences between man and and other animals. You know, one of them is that man is very analytical. Man can think, right? Mm. Yep. And we can analyze situations and uh, solve problems and all of that. Man has language. Mm-hmm. The only organism on earth that has true language is man. Mm. <coughs> we have history. We, t- we record our history. Mm. But no other animal on earth does that. <laughs> man is an economic being. Mm. You know, mm. we buy and sell. Mm. You don't see any other organism. In they go and eat each other. <laughs> <laughs> Prey and predator. <laughs> we enjoy arts. We enjoy aesthetics. We yeah. look at beauty. No other animal is doing that. Mm. Morality. Man is an ethical being. He mm. can distinguish between right and wrong. Mm. Yes. No other animal is doing that. Man can worship. Only man can experience faith. Man alone of all earthly creation can worship his creator. Mm. We bury our dead. You don't see... <laughs> I don't know if you guys know... <laughs> Maybe elephants, very elephants. <laughs> you know, it, it's not true. Yeah. So man is distinguished in many ways. Man is created in God's image. Mm. You know, so, um, and it's only man that the Bible records was created in God's image. Right. Yeah. And that shouldn't make anybody who is thinking mm. understand why we look more like God and yes. think like God. Why we are not just like the dog or the deer that is knocked out of the <laughs> road by a car. <laughs> those decay and smell. We are totally different. different. We are mm. created in God's image. image and and that's, that change, that's the game changer mm. yeah. for us. And that's why we are recalled home. When a man dies, his he, his, his spirit returns to the maker. Mm. Yes. That's not the case for animals. Mm. Yeah. Because they were not created in God's image. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and God breathed into man. He didn't breathe into anything yeah. else. Everything yes. else was just created, but he took man and put his own breath inside of mm. us. Yeah, I think the uh, application of this basic understanding of the uniqueness of, of mankind is so important for a believer to have in terms of maturity because it really translates directly into our actions, our thoughts, our behaviors, and our values. It's like sometimes I've seen on news and different things like that. I mean, people fight so aggressively for the safety and preservation of animals and for their well-being and their things of that nature. But as a believer, we also, one of the things that I think is another hallmark of maturity is just um, our pursuit for winning souls, right? It's mm-hmm. like, you know, if we really understand, like Uncle George is saying, the value of human beings that, we're not just some, you know, we're here, we dead, and then, you know, it goes on. Yeah. No, our existence continues in the next life, and they, we stand before God in judgment. If we understand that, then as aggressively as people are fighting for the protection and safety of animals and all these other things, mm. we will see the value of human life mm. in such a way that's like, wow, this cannot be disregarded. You know what I mean? Murder is a serious thing. Like, killing is serious because this person who dies, if they don't know Christ, they will stand before God in judgment and they may be subject to eternal condemnation, eternal damnation, not because mm. God doesn't love them, but because they didn't receive the salvation, the gift, the, the life jacket, the lifeboat that God provided in the next realm, in the next world. So, Um, I think that's a very important view that also speaks to and has a role in maturity. Mm. Amen. Yeah, we can keep going with more hallmarks of 
of a mature believer. We just broke down just the hallmark of foundation and doctrine and knowledge. And I think it's good that we spend so much time on it because the foundation is what we build upon. And without a solid foundation, it may not be now, it may be in two, three, four, maybe 10 years, but it just takes the right storm or the right trial mm. to begin to blow on what you've built. And or if that right foundation question. or the right question, yeah, someone asked the right you a question. question. Mm-hmm. And if you have not, um, if you have not built a strong foundation, it will all just come crashing down. Yeah. yeah, number. Um, I was gonna talk about the last one in the in the list of what we wanted to share, which is uh, eschatology. You know, which means the study of you know last things, last days. You know, the doctrine of eschatology can be divided into two things: personal eschatology, which is the study of God's final judgments, and the eternal state, heaven or hell. You know, so um. Many of us really battle and struggle with eschatology, right? You know, judgment. I, some of us specialize in talking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, many Christians don't understand it. But I think it's something that helps Christ, a Christian to be stable because that's something that people used to throw us off. You know, what's going to happen in the in the last days? Is it rapture or, mm-hmm. you know, judgment? When is judgment going to happen? Is it before rapture and all of that? So um, it's very, very important that we understand. Um, if you don't know anything, I want you to know that Jesus is coming back. Yes. Yeah. You know, and get ready for him to come back. Uh, if he comes before you die, praise God. If he comes after you are dead, the Bible said the dead in Christ will rise. We rise. Yeah. So it's, uh, I will leave it there that we know. Let's live like people who... You know, their their Savior is coming back. You know, he said he's going to come back for a church without wrinkles. And that means that we all have to behave ourselves. Mm-hmm. We talked about the five virgins, the ten virgins, five foolish and five wise ones. Mm-hmm. Some The other group didn't prepare. The other group was ready. So um, understanding that Jesus is coming back and that it's going to be an eternity with God or without God, depending on how you position Mm-hmm. yourself that knowledge of christ coming because he says i said i'm coming i'm going to prepare a place for you right mm-hmm. yeah and i'm going to come and get you if it were not so i wouldn't i wouldn't have told you you know mm-hmm. um so yes 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 amen amen i think that's a very cohesive just foundation for any christian honestly who desires to be just mature, mature and solid in their understanding of the basic truth the tenets of our faith um that's 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 a very sure and strong foundation. Um, let's let's go ahead and and talk about another hallmark of our of 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 a mature Christian and you know why it's in, why it's essential and then also just how we see this exemplified by Christ. Yeah, so um, I'll just go ahead and jump in there. Um, I believe another hallmark um, regarding a mature believer is that that mature believer should emulate the love of God and the character of Christ. Mm. So I think a lot of what we were talking about in the beginning is a a lot of what we know, right, about the Bible, about God, about Jesus. The thing is that what you know um, should actually determine how you live and and what's inside of you, right, that character. Um, And the reason why this is essential, I look at um, John chapter 13, verse 35, which we actually earlier mentioned. Um, And in this scripture, specifically when it comes to love, it tells us this, um, verse 35. Just going to it real quick. It says, 
your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Mm. So it's interesting that it, it doesn't say your the amount of anything that you're doing, information um, you the have. amount of information yeah. you have or, you know, like how long you're in prayer determines. And of course that's not debunking long prayer means anything. Obviously that's not what I'm saying here. It's just the fact that literally it says it's the love that we displayed to one another that actually proves that you are my disciples. And I will actually couple that scripture with first John chapter four, which I, I think again, we've mentioned, um, but it's good to mention it again. Because, again, we're talking about, like, how a mature believer is to emulate literally the character of God. Mm -hmm. And it's like if and actually Toby shared this earlier where it's like if you know that you are with the person when you become like that person. Yeah. And so in first John chapter four, um, I'm going to read starting from verse seven. It says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Yes. But anyone who does not, not love, not, <laughs> not God God I was thinking love. about that song too. We can think of them later. But um, yeah, it says verse eight. But anyone who does not love does not know God. Yeah. Mm. For God is love. Yes. So by virtue of knowing, because we were talking about knowing God and knowing God, by virtue of knowing that God is love, but not only that, but even being with God, yeah. um, being connected to God, he, he being divine, us the branches, um, by virtue of, of us being with God, um, that's where we're able to emulate God and yeah. his love. So we can't say that we know God, but we're not showing that Any love that love. God is to other people. And so, um, yeah, that's one you know, thing. I was, I was, I remember being in college and there was this one time at the end of the semester, I was sitting in class and I just had this inner dialogue. And I just said, Sarah, you've been in the same class with these people once or twice a week for three months. Mm. And not one time did you tell anybody in this room about Jesus Christ. Mm. You didn't offer to pray for them. You didn't say, hey, I was praying for you. I have a word for you. Not one time. And you say you love them? And you're raising up prayer points <laughs> in Bible study about how you want them to be saved? Mm. Do you really love them? It's and real. I was thinking of John three sixteen because we're emulating Christ, right? And the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave an opportunity for salvation. Mm. And I was just asking myself, wow, Sarah, have you done anything to point somebody to the way to Christ? Mm. You know, the Bible says that in these last days, the love of many will grow cold and knowledge puffs up, but it's love that edifies. And I know that really just convicted me. And I said, wow, this can't happen again. Mm. I can't be in a room with people who I know don't know Christ. I hear them talking about what they did for spring break and not You're once not was I compelled yeah. Yeah, to even it's just like emotionless. Can I pray yeah. for you? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that um, is really profound and powerful. I think in my walk with God, I've seen God call me to maturity in this aspect of love through um, just loving. Um, you know, the scripture says in Romans 12, it says, let love be without hypocrisy. Mm. And it's like, I realize at points in my walk, it's like, yo, I'm preaching and doing all these things, but am I loving in my family? Bruh, and so like, that. you know, first <laughs> Corinthians 13 is like, yo, you can speak in tongues. You can do all these religious mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. You can even give yourself to be burned. You know, I, I you know, give your, goodness. give your body to be burned. But if you don't have love, it profits nothing. Mm -hmm. 
And the scripture defines love as patience, as kindness. So I know at mm-hmm. times in my Christian walk, I just be convicted, like, man, am I being kind or patient with my younger brother and things mm-hmm. of that nature? It's like, this is where Christianity really hits home. This is where God's really calling us to maturity. And I've seen that in my personal relationship. And it's something that I become aware of that this means something to Christ, like not just preaching and doing all the religious stuff, but do I actually reflect the character of Christ, the love of Christ in my home, which can mm-hmm. sometimes be the greatest testing ground for some believers. But I believe our maturity is also proven or that's one of the the battlegrounds or one of the checkpoints or check marks. Like, are we loving in our homes and even with our uh, people externally who are near us, our neighbors, those who we're in class with and things like that is a really important um, test and measure of maturity. Yeah. No, honestly, you took the words right out of my mouth and um, I'll just add a scripture to that. First John chapter four, we just read that, but verse 20 um, and the ESV says, if anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he, he has not seen. seen. And um, that was honestly for me also a test too. I remember, <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but there was definitely a time where the Lord was convicting me about this. Like, how can you be preaching like this and then acting like this toward your parents? Mm. And I think that's also like a real thing for college students too. As soon as you th- you get saved yeah, and so things real. like that, you're on, and your parents you're on fire. like you don't know, you're still yeah. on fire. That your parents mm-hmm. don't know yeah. anything anymore. And right. navigating that is very, very like how we navigate that is important because yeah. we can become very self righteous yes. and very mm-hmm. hypocritical. Yes. Very hypocritical. Yeah. Very wicked. Yeah, it's 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 a real. I think you know we look at Jesus. I believe it's Luke chapter two, mm-hmm. uh, where Jesus, you know, the uh, his parents had gone to the festival to go and worship and they had left without him and they found that he wasn't a part of the the company when they're going back home Mm -hmm. and they came back looking for him and they saw him preaching and they're like so worried about him they're like hey like sit down like stop you know whatever you're doing he's like shouldn't i should be about my father's business he's practically saying like i'm on fire for my god for god i want to serve god and do his will but even jesus had to humble himself and to you know demonstrate that humility so i think that's what love also looks at and speaks to when it says in first corinthians 13 love is patient love is kind love Mm -hmm. does not seek its own way all these kind of things and um, demonstrating in our home is really critical too. Yeah. You know, what you're saying now has ruined so many young people Yes. who actually got saved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just pride. Mm-hmm. And you know, Satan takes advantage of pride. such oh, minds because yeah. mm. you know, he himself, Satan is, you know, is the, his, the hallmark of him is pride, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. So when he sees pride and arrogance, He's he happy. just invades that. <laughs> I know. He yes. takes over. Yeah. So, um, I've seen people just damage their lives by how they treated their parents. Mm. You know, oh, they're unbelievers, you know, yes. they're demonic, they're satanic. And, Jesus. and they forget that these people gave back to them mm-hmm. and could have killed them if they were that uh, terrible, mm. you know. But they didn't. Yeah. They didn't. They <laughs> no, nurtured you to where mm. you now know Jesus. Yeah. Mm. And instead of loving on them, Yes. You start hating on them. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something we really have to teach the just how how believers, especially those who want to mature and those who are on fire for Christ, you know, the Bible says zealous without knowledge. I think we have to really teach this temperament and this understanding that yes, you're on fire for the things of the Lord and maybe your parents or your family members are not saved, but what should your conduct be? What should right. the manner mm-hmm. of your conduct and your conversation be when it comes to how you relate with them? Because right. you can miss reflecting Christ to your family whom God is saving you to also help win them over to him. But yes. if we are too prideful and self-righteous and missing out on that aspect of maturity, like, this is your Christ. And I don't yeah. Want it's it. like exactly. we, we miss out the opportunity that God has given us to minister and to witness. And so I think it's something we definitely have to teach more um, that line between, yes, I'm on fire for Christ, but how do I walk in love 
um, and not just be puffed up because I have knowledge now. Yeah, because you know yeah, I mean? that's not maturity. Yeah, we must also uh, actually touch on the fact that some parents mm. pressure <laughs> their kids to the other side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen parents that said they will kill their children if they for go to church. confessing Jesus yes. Christ yes. as Lord. Mm-hmm. And it becomes necessary at such a time to yeah. um, lovingly say no. Yes. You know, you can lovingly say no. Mm-hmm. You can lovingly escape being killed mm-hmm. by a wicked parents, you know, by running to an uncle's house or running to somewhere to stay. Mm-hmm. I know if you're if you're a young lady and you're running, don't run into a man's house. Mm-hmm. Uh, say he's a, he's a brother, a Christian <laughs> brother, you know. No, run into a sister's place or somewhere you can get protection without the world saying, hey, Look at what she did or he did. He ran into this sister's house. He said mm-hmm. that she's running from parents. No, because they can accuse you easily. I've mm-hmm. seen all that happen. So mm-hmm. we we is we we need to navigate that relationship very uh, smoothly. Yeah. In the sense that it can be the pro- problem from parents mm-hmm. who really really are satanic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they hate the light that you bring into their darkness. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they want to extinguish you. But you cannot just because of that yeah dishonor or Dishon- just yeah. start dishonoring yeah. them and yeah and i yeah. think ephesians 6 1 kind of helps that distinction it says children obey your parents in the lord and just speaking to the aspect that the extent to which our obedience is imperative is that what our parents are instructing us and advising us to do also coincides with what is righteous what is approved by god right so yeah. you know if my parent like you're saying in that scenario is advocating for me to do something that goes against the word of God, then God's word also gives me permission and express approval to uh, respectfully decline decline and to say, no, I can't do this because I am submitted to a higher power, a higher authority, Mm -hmm. not the one that's contrary to you, but if you're telling me to do something that's contrary to him, then I have to obey God first rather than obeying man in that scenario. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. scripture gives us that clear delineation too. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Um, I'll just read one scripture for that. Because um, I think that there is, there's always an honorable way to, to go about things. And the Bible says that we should honor our mother and father because yes. if we do, we will live long. Yes. Like that's the only commandment that comes with a promise. Yes. And so no matter how difficult the situation is, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that no temptation is too great to have overtaken you. But there will always be a way of escape. So mm. I think in this case, there's always an honorable way. It may mm. be difficult and challenging, but... Um, that's the essence of being mature. Although it may not be favorable, you're going to look and see the way that is pleasing to God and that reflects the character of Christ and the love of God. Mm, I know someone who was driven away by parents, mm. you know, c- completely driven away. Maybe wake up in the morning or in, and said, with a nightgown, he said, you have to leave this house. Mm. Wow. You know, you're leaving this house. And with a nightgown, she left the house. Because she was a Because she, was a, she gave her life to she Jesus. Christ, you know, I see, um, yeah. And today, you know, all that is history, and mm. she lives with her parents and mm. with her mom, you know, for for many years now, because you look back at that thing, and now the mom is born again. Mm. Wow! The mom is in fact more born again than her, <laughs> you know. So it's if there's anything like that, mm-hmm. but that's true patience, you know. Yes. You can't just walk away and say because mm. you are born again. Jesus didn't do that. At 12, he returned home when the mother pulled, like we were yeah, saying. Yeah, pulled him from pulled the synagogue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He submitted, he the listened. The next time he preached was when he was 30. 30 yes. Mm-hmm. 18 years of just being in the house Humility, and, walking, and walking with parents yeah. and siblings, you know. 
Mm. And he was Jesus Christ himself. And that's, yeah, that's, right. He was God yeah. himself. Yeah. So how are you telling God to stop, stop doing Bible study? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! And he stopped. Yeah, and he, he stopped yes. because he was in the flesh. Yes, right? and he exercise. Had to, he had to pass the exam. Yeah, yes. exercise humility. Pass yes, yeah. pass yeah. the test yeah. of humility. The Bible honor. Says he grew in wisdom and, and in stature, stature and in favor with God and, and with man. With God. Yeah. That's yeah. really really important because we're not just saying these things because it's something you have to add to the Christian list, but there are benefits if you do, and there are consequences if you don't a lot of times the wisdom that we're missing or the counsel we're missing is because these things that make us and build us up to be mature aren't there so it's necessary and it's important I want to talk about um, another hallmark of a mature believer and that is obedient being obedient and fully submitted to God keyword Mm. fully submit I I, I even want to say immediately obedient because delayed obedience is still disobedience Um, but being ready to just do what God says and fully submit to what he's saying. In John chapter 14, verse 15, the Lord says, if you love me, which is the other hallmark, you will keep my commandment. And so if we say that we love God, then our hearts should be ready and willing to do what he says. And when I think about submission, I think about choice because we have the option. Even as a Christian, you can choose to believe in Christ all you want and still do whatever you want to do. Like the Bible says, anything is permissible for me, but is it beneficial? And um, when I think about a child, right, that's immature, usually a child will copy whatever they see happening around them. Like if you Mm. see a child, they'll probably laugh how you laugh or they'll dance how you dance. I know my nephew, and he sees me dancing, he tries to do the same dance moves that I do. So they don't really have a choice, right, because they're immature. They don't know yet. They can't discern yet. But as you get older, you start to have that power of choice. And as a Christian, I think we have to be intentional about choosing mm. to submit will, to Christ, yeah. choosing to obey Christ, choosing to to imitate Christ, and imitate sorry Christ in everything that we do. So in the way that I show up at school, like I said, when I'm in my classroom, I have to choose whether or not I want to be submitted to Christ and to do His will, to be compelled to preach the gospel. In the way that I pursue a romantic relationship. I have to choose whether or not I want to be submitted to my feelings and my emotions and to lust or submit to God and his principles. Mm-hmm. It's an active choice that I have mm-hmm. to make. And Makes just sense. because other people around me may be doing things differently, yeah. I choose to submit myself to the Lord. When I also think about submission, um, you know when you're going from high school to college and you're going to live on campus? Mm-hmm. It's like you're getting this newfound freedom mm. and you have the choice to do whatever you want. Yeah. No one is going to tell you to wake up and go to class. You know, if you want to, you can sleep the whole semester. I know someone <laughs> whose roommate, I'm kid you not, the roommate did not go to class. Mm-hmm. Son would come, son would come down. She would come, she would go to class, come back. Roommate is still sleeping. Mm. She ended up leaving the school, clearly. Mm. But it's that thing, again, the power of choice. And sometimes as a Christian, we can think that maturity means that I don't have to submit to anyone anymore. Cause I'm mature, you mm. know, I'm no, I'm no longer um, being spoon fed or even if you think about it in the natural sense, I'm no longer subject to my parents. Right. I'm no longer, I don't have to submit to their rules anymore because I'm mature. Or you I know? hear the Holy I, ghost myself. So yeah. I, don't need to listen I, to. I can hear God now for myself. <laughs> right. So you were a cool mentor when I was just getting to Christ and I was still a little bit, you know, rough mm. around the edges. But now that I've, you know what I'm saying? I, me and God got this thing going on, you know, <laughs> I don't really need to submit to everything you tell me to do, but God says that we are slaves to righteousness. And I think that God used that word intentionally because 
when we think of slaves, obviously a slave, they, they don't choose what they want to do. You either obey or you die or suffer yeah, consequences. Yeah. But the Bible says that we are bond servants to Christ. Yeah. I have no choice of my own. In Galatians 2, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. The life that I now live, I live through Christ Jesus. And so mm. when I think of submission, I just think of being totally sold out to Christ. Mm. I wanted to add... <laughs> Well, not add, but just to really highlight what you were talking about, um, you were pretty much saying obedience and full submission to God, regardless of who's watching, where you are, like regardless of whatever yeah, the circumstance anything. is. And um, even though the scripture is not sp- specifically about um, obedience, it's about the heart um, that I think that is behind all of that. In John chapter six, um, basically the whole chapter should be read, but I'm going to read this one, um, this one verse. And uh, we could start from we could start from verse uh, sixty four. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, "This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father enabled them." Um, from that time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Verse sixty seven. You do not you do not want to leave also do you jesus acts with 12 simon peter and this is it right here verse 68 answered him lord to whom shall we go you have the words of eternal life we have come to believe and know that you are the holy one of god and so what's behind here is that everyone else who were also following christ who were also hearing Mm -hmm. the teachings of christ made their decision of what they were going to do but simon peter here and of course the the, you know we can say the other uh 10 right minus Judas but um literally had the heart of Lord regardless of what other people are doing I'm going to follow you I'm going to obey you um and so I think that's the heart behind what you're saying here and what you were highlighting um just now so I just wanted to like you know kind of point that out there it's just like regardless of what's going on around what other believers are doing what other you know I know what obedience looks like and um following basically what the crowd is saying it's like literally knowing the the word of God and using that as your standard regardless of what other believers are doing around you yeah you know I think that one thing that's important too with this element of obedience and how to really exercise and walk and exemplify maturity is the fact that we have to obey God even when we don't understand Mm. and um, I think sometimes even as college students there are things that we ask like well, this is in the Bible, but I don't really understand it, or I don't agree with it, or, or is it still for today? I'm going to wait until I understand know? it. Yes. And so the thing about it is that if God is truly Lord of our lives, if he's truly our master, if we truly are bond servants, then we must obey him, like you all said already, uh, regardless of the circumstances, and even when we don't fully understand, mm. um, or else we have made ourselves Lord, mm. right? Wow. If I, if my wow. Obe- If I choose when my obedience stops, you know, based on whether it's my understanding or based on whether it's like, uh, I don't really agree with that. Even that idea of I don't agree with that. Like if we're not agreeing with God, then, <laughs> no, then we have become doing? enemies with God in that moment. And there are topics yeah. that some believers struggle with. Maybe, you know, I remember a long time ago, I remember when I was in high school, I had a friend who was a Christian and, you know, he used to go to my church and whatever. He went to another church, but he came back. I was talking to him, catching up. And he was like, hey, man, like, yeah, I'm in a relationship with this girl. And yeah, we do have sex. And it's like, but we're planning on getting married. So that's OK. You know what I mean? And he's like, mm-hmm. well. I was like, hey, the Bible says, you know, all these things about fornication, you can't have sex outside of marriage. And he's like, no, well, we're still playing. We're planning on getting married. Like we've already committed. We know we're going to get married. So it's okay, Right. But it's like those are things that 
are your personal sympathies or things that you feel like you want to do, but God's word is clear. Mm. So a lot of times we have our personal feelings or our limitations, but obedience doesn't stop there. Wherever my obedience stops, that's where God's lordship over my life also stops in that mm, area wow. too. So I think that's so important to mention for us um, as students. Mm. Yeah, I know as you spoke, something was coming up in my mind about just people who know the truth, but they're looking for who we tell them. Mm. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's okay. The exception. Yeah. That the truth is not good enough, you know. Mm. There's something they can, they can... There's a way out. Wiggle way. their way out mm. of the truth and still be okay. Because mm. mm-hmm. really nobody wants to go to hell. You know that, right? Right. Mm. And nobody wants to be known as I am disobeying God. But mm. if I can disobey... Find a way to justify so what yeah, I'm doing. Yeah, then I'm, I'm okay. I think that's a problem. Because then you see diversity of preachings. And mm. people are looking for the preaching that is suitable. Yeah. But none of them negates the scripture. You know, say we will develop itching ears. Itching ears, looking mm-hmm. for Wanting teachers. To, yeah, yeah, who will tell us what we want to hear. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem because the truth will always knock out all of those. Yes. You know, even when we come to judgment seat, God is not going to ask any, be asking you who is your preacher. <laughs> which preacher did you subscribe to or which teaching did you subscribe to which idea did you subscribe to which online message right. do you, uh, right. did you hear and bring no. the mirror of the word that's not part mm-hmm. of it the truth will stand out clearly and I want to just say quickly that some of the reasons people have issues with obedience is the controversy between the flesh and the, the spirit yeah. mm-hmm. you know, they're at war with each the other the flesh is real yes. yeah. you know, we have to agree with that yeah. mm-hmm. yes. very, very. the flesh is very real that's why you see somebody who has uh, uh, diabetes, but they still drink sugar mm. and, and all of wow. that because their body is craving, craving for it. They know they're dying. For something that's yeah. not yeah. good yeah. for them. They know they're yeah. dying, but uh, alcohol, you know, alcohol is damaging your liver. Mm-hmm. And you mm. know you are dying, but yeah. you keep on because the flesh is mm. yeah. very powerful. Yeah. yeah, flesh will even tell you it's not that bad. Mm. You know, yeah, I think you know. even our view of the flesh, like we think it's like, why would God not want me to have something that makes me feel good or makes you me know? feel happy, right? It's like, and that's uh. such a big problem. How so? Not only the understanding that the flesh is, you know, really powerful, but also that it's actually evil if we don't have that understanding we'll think all of our our tendencies no our senses yeah. like oh yeah it's okay why would god not be okay yes. like, it, it feels good it's, he you know? created the flesh mm-hmm. after all yeah. you know, right why right. can't right. my flesh enjoy yeah. right you know um that's a, a problem and that i want to read this scripture because um this is not new it's something that's been there the bible says in galatians chapter 5 verse 16 it says mm. so i say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the yes. desires of the flesh. For mm. the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other mm. so that you are not to do whatever you want. So there's a way out of it is to choose in whose domain you want to live. You want to live in the domain of the flesh or in the domain of the spirit, the Holy Spirit. Are you guided by the Holy Spirit or are you guided by your flesh? Yeah. So. That is critical f- a decision for anybody who wants to live a matured Christian life. You must come to a point where you say, I am not going to live in the flesh. I am going to operate in the spirit. No matter how my flesh cries, yes. I'm not going to just give it what it wants. I will satisfy the spirit. And that's when the Holy Spirit begins to help you mm. to optimize your Christian work and to do, you know, to live in obedience to Christ. And then get onto mature. If you live in the flesh, the Bible says to be carnally minded is what? Death. Death. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, in the John 6 that Abby was reading, in verse 63, it says, The spirit gives life, but the flesh counts for nothing. Another version says the flesh 
profits nothing. Mm. Another version says the flesh is no help at all. Mm. And Jesus said, the words I've spoken to you, they are full of life. They're full of spirit and life. And I think it's really good to understand this as a mature believer. The flesh literally cannot help you. Your flesh can only destroy you. Anything that your flesh is moving or pushing you to do can only lead to death. It is the spirit that gives us life. And I know for myself, when I feel that warring happening inside of myself where my flesh is yapping, 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 and I know Mm. what the spirit would have me do, the way that I'm able to break through is through the word of God. Because Jesus says that the words that I speak, they are spirit in their life. And when that scripture comes, it's like the battle is is done. Like Mm. I've, I've seen the light, I've seen the way out. And when that light shows up, all the darkness has to dissipate. So I think mm. this is good to know. Yeah, I think that's really good that you're kind of now touching on like a practical aspect of how do we really become obedient and make ourselves obedient and subject to the, you know, the word and the knowledge of God. And you said the word, we use the word to help quench our flesh. Second yeah. uh, Corinthians 10 uh, verse three through six is a critical scripture uh, for anyone who wants to be mature because applying this scripture is, is imperative to our everyday life, right? For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish every argument and idea that presents itself contrary to the knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. And we take captive every thought mm-hmm. to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. Wow. It's very so active. It's, oh, I'm hearing so many actions. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's, it's very, active. very active. And the mature believer knows that in order to be obedient, I live in this flesh, but I must conquer this flesh using the word of God. Jesus showed us it in Matthew 4, right, where the devil yes. tempted him, you know, when he was hungry and did all these things. And Jesus used the word of God. And so we as believers, before we can even preach and put every other disobedience in subjection to the word, we must put our own self under obedience to the word by taking control of our flesh using the word of God. So I think this helped me when I was a, um, a younger believer. I remember even being at uh, BCF College Park on campus. I came at a crossroad. I was like, Lord, is it for me to always have lustful thoughts? Mm-hmm. And I realized, I remember the song that we would always sing at Bible study. It says, there is no one else for me, none but Jesus mm-hmm. crucified to set me free. Mm-hmm. And as I re- uh, reflected on that word crucified to set me free, I was like, wait, like God has already delivered me from Uh, sexually immoral thoughts. Mm -hmm. I need to exercise my freedom and deliverance by using the word of God. And so many Mm -hmm. people, I remember being on campus at conference, things like that. People were like, oh, did God really deliver me? I'm still having sinful thoughts, all these things. No, yes, God delivered you, but you have to exercise freedom and continue to be obedient by using the word of God Mm -hmm. to pull down every thought that resists and rejects the knowledge of God. And so Mm -hmm. I used to you know, question like, you know, am I still saved? Like, am I all these kind of things, Mm -hmm. but it's the warfare that is a part of the journey that we have Mm -hmm. to be aware of that helps us to walk in obedience and resist Mm -hmm. the flesh. I have a scripture I want to quickly read Colossians Mm -hmm. chapter three, verse Mm -hmm. five. They mortify therefore your members, which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. The word, and another one says, therefore put to death, King yeah. James said, therefore put to death your members, which are on the earth. You know, so um, I want to add to the conversation that a sign of maturity is when your flesh is speaking less and your spirit is shouting more. Amen. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a really sign of maturity because... When we started, our, when when you start your Christian work, your flesh, guess what? 
is screaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yelling. Yeah. It's all over the place. <laughs> but you have to learn to k- start killing them one by one, killing every aspect of it, cl- clipping and cutting off the branches that are not bearing fruit. Yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. by the time you say I'm mature, you are really you have trained your flesh. Mm. Yes. The flesh is not that wicked, you know. Yes. It doesn't cont- it's part of the job because yeah. mm-hmm. unless if our flesh drop off we will be in heaven. <laughs> we will not be here. <laughs> right. So we have to mm. be in, be in it and bring it to control. Yes. Where it starts speaking the same language as, as our spirit. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it, yes. it happens with time. Yes. The things that used to move you no longer moves yes. you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you people you looked at and you start losting no longer matters yes. you know, because you, your the flesh is quieted quieted it's, yes. it's mortified it's, yes. it's mm. put to death mm. and uh, you're living in the spirit and you can actually sit that's when you can go to different places and do things yeah. and, and, and get free you know they say Jesus was with uh, uh, unbelievers right with mm-hmm. all these sinners mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he was ruling Go and t- some people think they can go and do that <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah, so they, they want to go and preach in the club. Mm-hmm. No, Jesus was in full manifestation of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Self-control, 100%. Yes. yes. You know, he was in charge. Yes. And he could do that. And we can grow into, into that, that position. Yeah, yes. We where we start challenging demons and challenging the mm. flesh and go to where people are drinking and they're doing drugs and right. minister the gospel mm-hmm. and right. walk away free. Right. Yes. But you have to... Um, wait for the yes, yeah. As the scripture says here, once you know, we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once our obedience yes, is complete. complete. Exactly. So once we have come to that place where we are actually able to be obedient to the word of God in all circumstances and situations, right? Our flesh is being crucified. We have the ability now to go out and to be able to in those other arenas yeah. be able to reach people who are in dark places or go to places that other people may say wow you're going to this kind of place right but our obedience must first mm. of all our heart and our obedience must be you know right with god and complete you yeah. know from that standpoint first you know what i'm actually noticing that's interesting i think the world is even starting to understand that if you wanted if you want to accomplish anything you have to be disciplined self-controlled and um know how to take charge of your own body because yes. you know what's selling a lot now self-mastery courses take charge of your own mind mm. and all these things about like controlling yourself and being disciplined and it's so dominating your negative dominating thoughts self-limiting thoughts. belives all these things and right all your these fears things are found in the scriptures yes mm-hmm. and it's crazy that like <laughs> believers will yes. pay so much They'll money pay for money these to go and hear yeah. the same thing when that the bible, bible really was really open the bible god <laughs> has been saying this yeah. for so many years yeah. right but when an unbeliever says it at a motivational conference, we embrace like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm mastering self. I'm controlling self. Uh, well, I'm conquering. Unbeliever. Therapists. <laughs> right. Different <laughs> therapists all over the place. Right. But the know. Bible was telling us the same thing yeah. from the beginning. Yeah. 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 The Lord will help us. I'm gonna start, some of us need to start charging money for <laughs> and, and become therapists. Because these therapists, many of them I'm who are not people. believers, are borrowing things from the from scriptures. The scriptures. Mm-hmm. And branding it to, as, and their, branding own. It as their, right, their own. And branding it as their own. removing God from it. Remove Jesus from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we are following it. And it's then things word. we can take to our pastors. Or so we have been taking to our pastors for free mm-hmm. and getting counseling for free. Mm-hmm. Now, because some of us have some money you now. You just go and pay somebody mm-hmm. wide money and they never bring you and tell you some lies. Mm. <laughs> I'll tell you even the truth without Jesus. Mm. Without, you know, the spirit, yeah. without the spirit, yeah. the spirit. And yeah. then you buy it and it works for mm-hmm. one a week. short period of time, but it doesn't last. And then yeah. you, go, you go back. Yeah. Yeah, because you know? the one thing the world doesn't know is that it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by but it's spirit. by the, the spirit of God. Spirit. It's by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. This is good. Yeah. It is. Amen. 
Yeah, I think another uh, hallmark of uh, maturity, any believer who's mature uh, is somebody who pursues righteousness and maintains pure, like a purity, really. Yeah. And that's not just pure. Oftentimes we think of, especially as college students, because we're in that uh, season of life where we want to be in a relationship, we think about purity only in terms of sexual purity, whatever, mm-hmm. but purity in terms of motives, right? Like the Bible says God desires truth in the inward parts and in the hidden parts he'll make us to know wisdom. So pursuing righteousness, pursuing holiness, pursuing purity um, is so important. You know, people say God knows my heart and stuff like that, but God is going to judge the thoughts and the intents of our heart and also Mm -hmm. our actions. So I think a a mature believer is somebody that uh, has inward righteousness and also outward righteousness. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes we miss the fact, like, you know, because we're saved by grace through faith, right? Uh, Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9. We miss out on the fact that even though Christ has credited righteousness to us, he still also expects us to grow up into full maturity where that righteousness he has credited to us actually becomes manifested holiness in our lives. Mm -hmm. Meaning we choose to actually follow what is righteous. Not that he's just giving me the credit of, yes, I'm righteous because I put faith in him, but also now my behavior, my lifestyle also reflects that. So um, I think that is a critical part, you know, righteousness internally and externally is extremely important. And some will just say, well, no, it doesn't matter what I do externally. It's only about what my heart is. And I've accepted Christ into my heart, but no first John chapter three, verse seven says it, he says, beloved, don't be deceived. He who practices righteousness Mm -hmm. is righteous. Right. So it's not just your motives of your heart. Like, Oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. I confess him as Lord. Therefore, like, you know, it's not about my behavior, what I do. Mm. The Bible doesn't teach that, you know, he who practices wickedness is wicked is of the devil. First John three, verse seven and eight. Yeah. And I think even loving righteousness as well. Mm. Psalms 45, verse seven, it says you love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. Mm. Um, I think sometimes as Christians, we can be in a place where we know what is the quote unquote righteous things to do, mm. but we don't like we it. We don't love it. Yeah. yeah. We actually don't like it. Yeah. Yes. And it almost feels like we're being dragged into something that we actually we don't, don't yeah. want to do. Yes. I know um, one time me and Abby used the example of like, for example, when you're looking at clothes as a woman, cause nowadays to be modest is honestly takes a lot of work. And so hmm. you're looking and you're shopping and you see things that are in modest and you know that, yeah, I can't wear this, yeah. but you like it. Mm-hmm. You actually like it. Yeah. The thing that's showing just enough rest to make you feel, you know, like you're going to get attention or the, the skirt that's just a little bit too short. So that's, you know, extra spicy. It's like, you know, that that does not reflect the righteousness of Christ, mm-hmm. but you actually like it. Mm-hmm. And I think that being in that place where it's almost like cognitive dissonance, it yes. can only make you um, feel almost sad, almost mm-hmm. like sad to be a Christian. But I love how the scripture says that, when we love righteousness, God actually anoints us with the oil of joy. Mm. And so before we even try to act things out, I think in our hearts first, yeah. we have to embrace it. Like yeah. I actually love what is right in God's eyes. Yeah. It may not be popular. People may not think that, you know, the way that I dress is up keeping up with the trends, but God loves it. So I love it. Mm. Mm. And I think that's the essence of mature Christianity in terms of our desires, that our desires actually begin to be his desires. Like we actually love what he loves and we hate what he hates. Yeah. And for some people, if you're, we're in that place where it's like, uh, I'm still loathing God, what God is asking <laughs> me to do or what is the standard of God. Then it's like, mm-hmm. there's a place for us to continue to grow and mature because I, you know, true maturity also is reflected in my desire that it aligns more closely with his, mm-hmm. not just like, Hey, like I still want to go back to the world. I'm still hungry for the things of the world. There's definitely yeah. some maturity there if that's the case. And 
we've all been there, but we have to press on to maturity and leave the things of the past behind. Yeah. yeah. And just to share a scripture, Ephesians chapter five, verse eight um, and downward. So it says, for you were once darkness and now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. Mm. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful to even mention the what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. It continues. And then just to end with this verse 15, be very careful then how you live. Now it's one thing that you were mentioning Toby about like, there's one thing to love righteousness. Another thing to be righteous. Um, there's one thing to, yeah, let me just continue with the verse here. So it says not as unwise, but as wise making the very, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil and it continues. But, um, yeah, like just, I think that scripture just does enough for itself. Like yeah. this, the notion of the fact that we actually are to seek what pleases God. Mm. Um, so that pursuing righteousness is something that God is um, requiring of us and is a mark of a true believer. Like I actually want to know because there's mm-hmm. a, I don't know about you guys, but I remember when I was, you know, like first saved, and I was like, okay, I don't want to know so that I can just do mm-hmm. things unknowingly. Because if I don't, <laughs> I don't know, know, I won't be held accountable. So that I won't be held accountable. <laughs> but it's like, no, I want to know what pleases the one that I love. Mm. I want to know what displeases the one that I I love so that Mm. I know that I'm far away from that. Mm. Um, So, yeah. Wow. We have already covered so much. I think this is a good place for us to just pause and just go ahead and pray. We're talking about the anatomy of a mature believer. And I know that someone may be listening right now who is desiring to grow and desiring to mature in Christ. Maybe you see where you are and you see where you desire to be and you see that gap between those two. But I want to encourage you to know that as long as you fix your eyes on Christ and set your heart on doing his will and set your heart on wanting to grow and become more like him, he will continue that good work inside of you. So I'm going to go ahead and pray and we will continue this conversation in part two. Father, I just thank you so much, Lord. I thank you for just all that we're talking about. Holy Spirit, we know that this is orchestrated by you. And I just pray, God, for every person who is listening, who is hearing these things that we are saying. Father, I pray right now, God, that the words that they have heard, God, that it has fallen upon good soil, that it will be fruitful in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray, God, that you would empower us, Lord, empower us to become more like you, God. We receive the grace, Lord, the grace to look like you, the grace to walk and talk like you, God, the grace to, Lord, love like you do, to emulate your character. We just pray, God, that you would help us. Lord, we just thank you. We bless you. Give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stick around for part two.